From the beautiful Art House Studios in Nashville, Tennessee, this is The Pivot, stories of people who've made a change. Welcome to The Pivot. My name is Andrew Osinga, and my guest today is Larry Close. Uh, Larry is an institution here in Nashville. Here's the deal. No matter where you go in the city, when you say something like, oh, I was hanging out with my friend Larry, and they go, Larry who? And you say, Larry Close, they go, I love Larry. I don't understand how one person knows every other person in this entire city, but it's Larry. We're in a unique time at a unique city, and Larry has carved out his own unique place. And I reached out to Larry to have him on the podcast uh, because of a couple things that he's built, uh, but also because of a lot of the conversations that he and I have had over the last year, and I thought you guys would love to hear from him. Um, Larry built a thing called Cause a Scene here in Nashville, which were sort of house shows that became kind of pop-up shows all around the city and in like stores or warehouses or office buildings, like places where you wouldn't typically have concerts, he would host concerts. He would host these secret shows or he would uh, send out a thing on Instagram or to the mailing list and say, hey, there's a show tonight, eight o'clock, first 100 people that email me back get tickets. And he would sell out these shows. Nobody even knew who they were going to see, what they just knew. Larry said, there's a thing happening. I'm going to be there. And he would sell these things out. And um, he's going to tell us about how that, how he built all that. But we talked for a long time, so I had to cut some of the story, uh, which I hated doing, but I, I wanted to make sure that it, this podcast wasn't like four hours long. Uh, there's a whole section that I pulled out, not because it wasn't fascinating, but because it just made the thing go way too long. But um, So I want you to know that at one point, uh, Larry was hired by the biggest booking agent in the country. Then um, it wasn't the right thing. Uh, and so he went in to quit, and his boss said, actually, Mumford & Sons called, and they want to hire you. Um, to help them build their own sort of network of small shows with people. So he did that for a while. So he got to work with those people. And uh, that's not even the part of the story you're going to hear. Fascinating, right? Uh, But you'll hear a couple things. Larry loves dogs. He loves people. And he loves music, uh, probably in that order. And uh, now he's a realtor. And uh, this has all happened kind of quickly. And um, he and I got to spend a lot of the, the, the last year and a half together as we were both navigating, coming out of one season and figuring out what the next season was. And um, now that we've sort of hit our strides in other places, we don't see each other as much, and I'm sad for that. But it's great to reconnect. And uh, you're just going to love Larry, because everybody does. So here is my chat with my dear friend, Larry Close. So I have a couple sponsors for this podcast, and what I love about this is not only do they help me bring this podcast to you, but they're things I really, really believe in. So I want to tell you about them again. If you've skipped past this before, don't now. We've got two sponsors for this season, globalcounselingnetwork.com. These are accredited, world-class counselors uh, who work virtually. So if you're in a place that you don't have access to good counseling and you know you need someone to walk with you, Uh, through the changes of life, trauma, stress, anxiety, relationship difficulties, uh, health issues, uh, spiritual issues, whatever it is, I want you to know that there are people out there who would love to help. 
And uh, no one needs to walk through this alone. And if you don't have somebody in your immediate community who can be that for you right now, there are people who would love to help. Globalcounselingnetwork.com. You really need to check that out. Also, the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work. And here's the deal. If you're in Nashville, they have lots of events. We host some of them here at the Art House, and they're wonderful, and you should check them out. If you are not in Nashville, there are still tons of great things uh, that you can find on their website. Uh, seminars that you can listen to, writings, tons of resources to think through where does our faith and our work intersect. This is a valuable resource uh, for many in my community, and I think for you too, and so I don't want you to miss this. So please go check out Nashville Institute for Faith and Work at nifw.org. greatest dog ever and is the reason why probably 400 dogs have gotten rescued um, because or sort of um, my mom wanted that dog because um, when I was traveling for Sanford um, I couldn't have a dog like on the road and couldn't leave a dog by herself at home and so my mom uh, took care of her in Nashville and my mom fell so in love with that dog she was like please just I'll get you any other dog like I'll pay you like a thousand bucks just like how can i keep <laughs> Your her mom and, tried to buy yeah she dog. tried it and she's like what and i'm like mom like bradley's my dog like and then lily my other dog and her became best friends and so i was like they're a package deal like you can take both of them she's like i don't want lily lily's a lily's a handful um and so my mom has just like been rescuing so many dogs for other people and other shelters and they've got six dogs at their farm my sister has four dogs at her house I've got three, my two, and then my roommate's one. Anyway, yeah, my mom says that Briley is her heart dog. Um, hmm. And that dog, I'm like, please live to 20. She's 10 now. She's like, please live forever. Oh she, well, because anyway. you, you posted something a while ago about some, like, early morning holding puppies thing on Facebook. What was oh, that? Oh, yeah. That was, um, so uh, Patrick Hayes, who runs 1767 um, Designs, they do all the woodworking. Um do a lot of commercial bills and a lot of like um, residential furniture for folks. Um, his wife, Jenny, had posted that there was a transport, I guess it was either Texas to New York or New York to Texas, doesn't matter, but um, they were driving overnight, stopping in Nashville like early morning. This is like, I think February probably. It's pretty cold. It's out by the Opryland Hotel and uh, it was like 70, 80 dogs and like all sorts of people came. Um, a lot of my friends came, probably like 15, 20 friends. And it was like walking, like adult dogs, just holding little puppies just to kind of like give them a break because they've been oh cooped up for, I don't know, eight hours straight and needed to just be walked and pee and poop and do their thing or just like be loved on. And it was awesome. I would do that over and over again. It's like I I love people, but I love dogs a lot more than I love people probably. Um, I can I can trust dog people. If someone's not a dog person, I... I have questions about their integrity. Oh, man. My daughters are lobbying hard for dogs. We have a small house. I, yeah. already, I already have three children. Yeah. And I'm not, I've never been a dog person. But, I mean, my six-year-old daughter looked at me the other day, like, just tears streaming down her <laughs> face. And she said, don't you want me to be happy? Oh, no. <laughs> so, I and, feel like you said, I'm going to lose. And you said, no, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Sanford University down in Birmingham. I was there 2003 to 2007 and then 
was on staff there 2008, 2010 as an admissions counselor, which is my first like real deal adult job. Um, massive season of growth for me. I, when I finished college, I was still like the shy kid that didn't want to get in front of the class and give a speech about anything. I was looking at note cards and um, had friends in college, but just did not feel comfortable in my own skin. And then my first job is, hey, put on a suit and tie every day and go speak, tell tell your story and, and sell the school and sell your experience to a bunch of strangers. And then do like, it again the next and day. And do it again. And like hundreds of people a day, potentially, if I'm at a college fair, if I'm visiting four high schools that day. Oh, my gosh. Um, or stand in the corner of a public school cafeteria with 4,000 students in Gwinnett County and hope and pray over the course of three hours of lunch, someone comes and talks to you and doesn't think that you're Stanford versus Sanford, um, which is always hilarious. Um, <laughs> that happens so often. People would be like so excited to see me and they're like, they start like this puzzling look on their face like, wait, why is it Sam? Oh, and then they- Wait, it's Harvard? Yeah, yeah. Harvard. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. That week, the Civil Wars were at Sanford playing Harry's Coffee House. Um, it was either right when the first record came out or I think it was the album cycle. It definitely wasn't the second, but um, one of the sweatiest rooms I've ever been in my life. I mean, this little coffee shop in um, in our university center and the Civil Wars came, and at that point, like, word of mouth is spreading like crazy, and they just packed in. And I remember Joy being on stage and, like, talking about what was going on in Nashville because, you know, Nashville is where she lived, and um, and basically just saying, like, the news isn't really covering it, but, like, our my heart even though we're here in Birmingham, like my heart is in Nashville and just people are going through this and, um, you know, just be thinking and praying about people. I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it just like, it moved me. And I had just decided the week before that, like it's time for me to go home. Mm. Um, I had wrapped up my second year of that job and I, and I just, I take my work extremely seriously and whatever my work is. And I was really passionate about that. So that was kind of this perfect storm to, to excel my second year, I, I set every record in the history of the university for my territory, and it was like, hey, I want more responsibility. I want, you know, how do I challenge myself? How do I grow? I was trying to, like, implement Twitter for our uh, admissions office, which, like, we didn't have. Like, yeah. I mean, 2000, was that 2009, 10? And so, like, that's sort of understandable, but we just felt behind the curve. And, and a lot of it was just, like, a pat on the back and, like, yeah, just go do it again. And I just like, I'm I've never been one that's been good at like maintenance. I love the, the ramping up, the scaling up, the big ideas. How do we execute this? How do we change the world? And then when it's just sort of all right, you hit this mark, and we just kind of expect you to keep the status quo. Um, that's where I get really anxious and need to change. And I think that has been the impetus behind a lot of the different moves I've made in my career and moves that I'll make in my career in the future of just getting restless and wanting to be challenged and take on more responsibility. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like got one life to live, like make the most of it. And, and I think work is inherently holy and good and it's something that we're called to. And some people hate their jobs. Um, and a lot of that's understandable, but it's, we've been given these gifts to utilize for, for our families, for our communities, for the world, for, the kingdom of God, like be excited about it. And if you're not excited about it, then kind of dig down deep and do that inner work to see what is actually important and then do more of that. 
Um, anyway, I have no idea how I got on that tangent, but yeah, I was, I was in Birmingham. Um, my plan was always move back to Nashville, but it was, um, when I initially started that job, it was a five-year plan. And after two years, it was, it felt like it was time because I traveled so much that there was no real ability to build community in Birmingham for me. Um, because I just wasn't around. There was no consistency. There was no proximity. And so it's like, oh, I see how everyone's responding in Nashville. I'm yeah. seeing all the we are in Nashville. And this is, you know, well before the I believe in Nashville signs and the It City and Forbes and, you know, whoever else is um, hyping us up as the next big thing. And but I saw videos and heard stories of people crossing the river for the first time in East Nashville or vice versa. And like, you know, literally picking their neighbors up, like, yeah. in boats or um like seeing what the other side of the city looked like and realizing like oh wow they're part of this community too and i think almost all of nashville's growth is indirectly tied to that um and that's not a conversation for this but i think so much of the the rallying cry around that time was taking pride in the city and taking ownership because I think before that, before 2010, if you ask people in Nashville, so where are you from? Oh, I'm from Minneapolis. I'm from Arkansas. I'm from Memphis, whatever. And that is kind of what they, you know, they put their flag down on the ground for mm. wherever they were actually born and raised. And all of a sudden it became like, I'm from Nashville, like yeah. Nashville's home. You're um, right. I, you're right. And I it was, and it was that, just like this, it was this, it's a shift, huge perspective shift of, because for, probably like the entire history of this city. Um, not that I was around, you know, 200 years ago or however long <laughs> it's been around, but, um, it has been a transient town and, mm. and it, and it just feels like somewhere that people are passing through to get to the next big thing. And all of a sudden in 2010 and since then it's been, no, like I can see myself, you know, making this a home, starting a family here, building a business here. And it's hard to leave this city now. I mean, it's hard for me to go on vacation, you know, of like, I love Nashville. Nashville feels like the, the most fun, glorious thing. And um, so when I'm gone, I think I just have FOMO of, you know, what relationships am I not able to pour into here and who am I missing out on spending time with and all that. Yeah, I, I'm going to get sentimental about the city really quick probably. So anyway. So, okay, so you move here. Yeah. What did you, what did your life look like after you... <laughs> Yeah, there was there was so much drove up sixty five. There was so much confusion. Um, <laughs> I gosh, I moved here. I remember, and I still have this sheet of paper. Um, it was, you know, when I was recruiting for Sanford, every high school I went to, um, you know, they're giving you mugs, pens, and like notepads. And I had this this notepad from Whitfield Academy in Smyrna, Georgia, Cobb County. Um, if anyone's listening from there, you know. Yay. Um, and <laughs> amazing school, phenomenal private school, and was a really good school for feeding into Sanford. And the sheet of paper uh, was probably the size of my palm. And I remember kind of taking stock uh, before I moved back to Nashville of like, what am I actually entering into? Who do I know there? And I made a list, and it was like 15, 20 names on the sheet of paper. Mm. Small list. And um, I think three of them... I like kept in touch with one of them became my roommate, um, about a year into moving back, but I moved back basically knowing no one. And I was, I grew up in the suburbs. And so I didn't really know Nashville. The week I moved back, um, uh, was my, was my birthday. I remember driving around all over the city, um, on my birthday 
with my sister who was at enrolled at Belmont at the time. And, um, she was basically showing me how like each neighborhood fed into another one of how mm. you get from Belmont to 12 South, which I mean, talk about it, a huge seismic change over the last eight years in those areas. And here's how you get from Belmont to Vanderbilt and how that feeds into Midtown and how that feeds into Demunbrian and then into, you know, so on and so forth. Cause I mean, when I was in college, um, you know, I grew up in Franklin and Brentwood mostly in middle school and high school. And I remember someone mentioning Satco and I was like, is this like a company that a lot of your dad's moms work for? Like, what is Satco? <laughs> and they looked at me like I had three eyes on my head. And they're like, San Antonio Taco Company? How have you never heard of that? I'm like, I'd never go into the city. Like, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking I went to Sonic after f- football games with my, like, two friends. Um, and <laughs> those are the days. Yay. Uh, if you're out there listening, two friends. Um, thank you all for getting me through that season of life. Um, but... I, I mean, I moved in with my parents um, for like the first three months, and we we owned a house down in Brentwood, old old ranch style home, and um, my mom's business had owned it. And long story short, it worked out really well for me to move in there. Um, and so I'm living in Brentwood, you know, where no mid twenty single people are mm-hmm. living. Um, That's like almost below the burbs a little bit. Yeah, it I mean, felt yeah. very removed. Um, I've got like a 95 year old neighbor on one side and you know, a middle-aged family with grown adult kids on the other side. So it's like, this is not my place, but Hey, 25. Yeah. I moved back 2010. So yeah, 25 when I moved back and, and I like, I had no idea like how my skills would transfer over from my previous job. Like I didn't want to go recruit for a university here cause it's not where I went. I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't have been as passionate about them. But my dad being in healthcare, it's like I started to network with all of his people. And so I ended up at a, um, a healthcare recruiting company. And that job honestly didn't require a whole lot of me. And it felt very limiting. And um, it, I mean, it was a good stopgap just to like kind of survive um, for a while and kind of get my feet underneath me. But that whole season, I was like, where are the people like me? I had this deep passion for music and would go to, you know, my whole life I would go to concerts by myself um, in Birmingham and Atlanta and Nashville, wherever. And um, just to discover or listen to these bands that no one knew, like five people in a room to see Fleet Foxes, 20 people in a room to see Gavin DeGraw or Matt Nathanson or um, Lord Huron. Or I was just like obsessed with music. And, and I just was kind of asking all these what if questions of, what if I just finally went for it? I've mm-hmm. talked about music forever. Um, I care about it. I was making playlists for everyone. I had people trying to tap into my iTunes account all the time in college at my fraternity house of like wanting to listen to this band or that band. And um, I was making mix CDs forever for everyone, it felt like, and hmm. had bootlegs on fishhook.com of Dave Matthews Band and String Cheese Incident, widespread. And I swear I'm not a hippie, but um, <laughs> that is kind of what was on those websites. And but everything was encouraged or everyone was encouraging me like go get your masters go get your mba master of education whatever and so i decided i'm going to take a few months and study for the GRE to apply to um peabody at vanderbilt for their a masters of education in mm. leadership and organizational performance which is the longest uh titled degree i think they offer i, I mean that that was the basket i was putting all my eggs in and it was kind of this stopgap of well maybe i'll figure out 
what I want to do while I'm at Vandy. I was the number one program in the world for that. I'm like, cool. I mean, that's going to look good on a resume. It's going to boost my eventual income. Um, and I thought I was going to do executive coaching, industrial organizational psychology, but I honestly didn't have a clue. Around that time, um, it was like October, September, October 2011, um, there was a band I was just obsessed with out of Texas called Seren. Um, all ended up moving to Nashville. They disbanded maybe a year or so ago but just amazing, amazing humans who made incredible music together. And they were playing in the basement, like September 2011. And I got a, a few friends to go, and they were the first of four bands playing. It was probably like a New Faces night at the basement mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh, yeah, which is the, and probably so, the worst gig Yeah, and, you know, free gig, a hodgepodge crowd. You know, they're all there to see You're just playing for the other bands that are going to play their yeah. two songs. Yeah. And so they're the first ones, and Srin's like... I don't know how to describe them. I mean, it's kind of orchestral folk pop, just like it's beautiful. Um, and it's, it's something that you really have to pay attention to, to really get, I think. And the bands after that were like these like straight up pop punk mm-hmm. bands that are super loud and aggressive and different. And it was like, yeah, this bill doesn't make sense. And so I'm sitting, sitting there or standing there singing every word of this song. And I'm sure that the members of the band, we've joked about it since, multiple times they probably thought I was crazy of like how the heck does this this dude know any of our music and like evaluating if I was a groupie or stalker it's a fine met, line yeah it, it is a fine line um that is for dang sure and but I met the band afterwards and just was kind of gushing praise towards them of like you know I love your music I love the record that's such a good live show like I've been telling all my friends about you guys like you've got to come back to Nashville and I'm like yeah yeah you know like we got to go load the van and nice knowing you, you know, but no, they were super kind and gracious, but I said, and, and I've always joked around saying like, this was asking out the really hot girl that you've had a crush on for a while, mm-hmm. but you're just too scared to, but then you're like, well, if I don't ask, it's automatically a no. So might as well just go for it. And if it's a no, then I just land where I already was. And so I, uh, I was talking to them and I was like, Hey, you know, if you guys are ever back in Nashville, like, would you want to play a house show in my living room? I've got a, I've got a lot of friends I think would be in your music. And, and they actually said, yeah, you know, we love playing house shows. Mm. And we've got a gig in Atlanta next month. They were playing Catalyst, you know, in front of 10,000 people or something. Yeah, we'll be routing back through Nashville to get home to, to Dallas, uh, Denton area where they were from. And we, yeah, let's, let's keep in touch. Didn't exchange numbers. I was, like, shy and nervous. I was like, ah, well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be kind of thing. <laughs> And then um, subsequently found the guitarist, uh, Nathan Allen, on on Facebook, and we chatted, and it's like, yeah, like, it's looking like October, I think it was October 23rd, 2011. Like, that's, we've, we're going to be in Nashville, like, let's do this. And they probably have no idea what they're signing up for. That date rolls around, and um, without going to all the nitty-gritty details, I just, like, I worked my tail off, like, cut, you know, I was taping you know had black duct tape uh taping christmas lights to two black queen size sheets that you know to make this backdrop and string lights galore probably overkill i think i made like six or seven appetizers at night i'm <laughs> i'm fairly sure all of this is probably to impress a girl um <laughs> who's probably married with children now and um i don't know uh, that was a long time ago um but i, I think I think every good man has probably done a lot of things simply to try to impress a girl in life. Um, yeah, yeah. With 
various levels. I read Gone with the Wind in high school. (laughs) With various levels of success or failure um, uh, as a part of that. But, um, man, we we had probably like 70, 80 people crammed in my house that night. And up until that point, I don't know if there had been a night in my life where I felt so alive. Mm. Um, and just in my element, it was so foreign to me. I'd never been to a house show. I didn't know what the heck that meant other than concert in a house. I didn't know what that was supposed to look like or feel like and anything. And so, um, it was just really, really special. And, and funny enough, I, I learned this years after this show, um, the opening band that wasn't even really a band. It was kind of this collective of musicians from Atlanta that, um, a friend that used to live in Nashville had connected me to the lead singer of that band. Uh, his name is Tony Brown. And I found this out years down the line that mm. he co-wrote good, good father with Pat Barrett. And that just blew my mind that the leads, you know, the, the yeah. one of the main uh, contributors to that song played my first show. And uh, I was just like that. That's wild. Cause that's, that's been kind of the legacy of cause of scene. And I can get more into how cause of scene came to be as a result of that night and the name and all that. But, um, the legacy, and for me, the proudest thing is just seeing these bands flourish, seeing these artists get record deals, seeing them still touring, co-writing, whatever it is, just that they are still um, on that path of pursuing their dreams, and a lot of them realizing their dreams, um, and a lot of them like seriously having some major success. Um, I mean, Lauren Daigle's first show ever in Nashville was in my living room, played two songs um, that I think were probably both covers, and then um, I think her second show in Nashville was when she's accepting an award at the Caleb Awards like a year or so later. And, and, to, and to see her now selling out two nights at the Ryman in 2019 months, it's just, and June the Lion, one of their first shows is was one of mine. Now they sell out multiple nights at the Ryman. And, and I mean, there's countless stories, dozens upon dozens of stories like that. Of I, I got to work with 700 artists over the course of five and a half years, like, that's that is such a crazy statement. That's crazy. crazy. Of just of not. I mean, when I got in, when I got into music, I did not know a single person in the industry. I did not know a single band. Um, I had no connections. I had no pedigree. I had a psychology degree from Sanford, um, and it just happened. And like every bit of that's the Lord, like opening up doors and like. Um, somehow getting me over so much fear that was wrapped up in that. Um, and it just worked. And and I think something I learned really quickly is just how small the music industry is, and particularly around musicians. They all seem to know each other, particularly in Nashville. And so, you know, when I'm when I'm having the show with Seren, I'm like, gosh, it would be so amazing, like, one day to have the Vespers play a house show. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're good friends with them. Like, we've got a lot of connections. We'll put you in touch with Bruno. And like my third show ever was mm. with the Vespers, and man, it'd be so great to do a show with Mark Sibilia. It'd be so great, so great to do a show with Floyd Vance, Noah Gunderson, David Mirez, Joseph, Penny and Sparrow. Like every one of them played multiple shows, um, and it's and it's just astonishing. I I don't know if I fully understand what that season of my life, how it all came to be. Mm. Um, so you have a, the first house show, and it goes great. Yeah. So you decide to do a second, and eventually that that's what becomes cause a scene. Yeah, so that night, one of my fraternity brothers, he's like, man, I've heard you talk about music for, gosh, eight years now. you got to do something with this. 
like, I think you're going to wake up one day and just be kicking yourself that you didn't give it a shot. He's like, just, just start a blog. I mean, just have a creative outlet, like mm. write about bands that you like. I, someone's going to, someone's going to read that. Someone's going to pay attention. Just like it. I mean, there's no barrier. Put that energy somewhere. Yeah. There's no barrier to entry there to start a website and just write a few paragraphs about this single or this band or this show coming up or whatever. But he's, he basically said, um, you're going to start a website you're going to start a blog. I'll host it for you for free. Like, I'll set it up. All I need is a name. The only name that came to mind was Cause a Scene. Hmm. And it came from uh, lyrics to a song by The Format um, off their first record, Interventions and Lullabies. They had come to Sanford my sophomore year, maybe freshman year, and they were the first of three bands. Uh, Switchfoot was headlining in our big um, auditorium. And I'm the goofy kid up there singing every word to every format song and everybody that is sitting with me is just looking at me like how do you know these guys and then asking like should we know these guys or like because everyone i mean yeah. everyone was there to see switchfoot and i and i love switchfoot if i could say the name right that'd be awesome switchfoot as we sit here in a studio um where they did a lot of their music and so the name was really pointing back to that feeling when you discover something for the first time. And thinking back to the first time I listened to that or the first time I listened to Led Zeppelin as a kid or Pink Floyd or my dad and I listened to John Hyatt and um, mm. just whoever it was of just thinking back to that. And also just kind of the the meaning behind it of like causing a scene and like actually changing the dialogue around that. Causing a scene is usually like a kid acting up or, you know, doing something stupid and uh, making themselves look like an idiot or whatever. Um, but I thought, like, let's actually cause a scene to exist in this city that doesn't currently exist. Hmm. And so I was very intentional to not book shows that were country or Christian because those are the two major things driving, historically, I should yeah. say. It's not that case anymore. But that was what was true about the national music scene. And so I wanted to carve out a space and cause a scene for all these artists that were pop and rock and indie and folk and Americana and whatever else. I wanted to give a platform for those artists and I wanted to have a space where people actually were intentional about listening. And so having a space where people, I mean, were almost forced to shut up and listen and pay attention. Yeah. Um, and really just experience the music in a different way. It wasn't there to be entertained. It was there to have an experience that um, might actually have an effect on your life moving forward and to actually be a fan and actually appreciate them and give them your attention and time. And that sort of became the calling card of Cause of Scene where these intimate, quiet, listening room sort of experiences. Um, yeah, so but, you started doing them in your house and yeah. then you started taking them yeah, sort of so, uh, non-traditional venues primarily. Yeah, so it was never intended to be anything. Um my original intent was I'm going to do one show a month for a year. If I, if I can meet enough artists, hmm. it was like, I, I, maybe 12 people will say yes. And like, if I'm lucky 24 and I'll have an opener on all these, hmm. um, I had no idea. I didn't know what I didn't know. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. I, I was just kind of researching what bands I thought were really great in Nashville and needed a platform. And, um, and so they were originally all in my house, um, from, the very first show was February 26, 2012 with New Lore and Dinner in a Suit. Um, Dinner in a Suit has now kind of rebranded, different sound. They're called Nightly now. 
sign an interscope. Um, and I remember like being like, Hey, you know, this is a cause of scene present show, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, show of hands, like who knows what cause of scene is. I think my sister raised her hand kind of thing. Cause like, at the point that was your, yeah, that your was, blog. that was the first show. And I, and when I first reached out to Adam and Tyler from new lore, it was, Hey guys, I run this music blog in town. I would love to talk about the band. And I also do house shows if you're on play. And they're like, well, we do house shows all over, but like not in our home city, but sure. Why not? I mean, Brentwood's sort yep. of a different market than Nashville, mostly because there's not a single music venue in Brentwood um, <laughs> outside of my former living room. That is, uh, I hope the new owners are loving that house um, and, and know a little bit of the history there. But, um, and I think I had literally written four or five blog posts, but it's like, I wrote a blog. So hey, there it it's, is. It's a it's thing. Not, it's not a lie. It might have been an embellishment. And they were like, sure, let's, <laughs> let's do it. And so then it was the Vespers and Anderson East opened. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anderson East, before like he mm-hmm. was who he is now, yeah. um, you know, selling out the Ryman, he was just dude with a guitar sitting on a chair, you know, playing these amazing, bluesy, soulful Southern songs. And it was just like, holy crap, this dude is incredible. Um so many stories wrapped up in his music and and so it was just one you know mark sibilia jenny and tyler um uh, i can't remember who played the first several months but it was just kind of one after another and all of a sudden i'm like three four months in and i've eclipsed the 12 show mark yeah that i meant to over the course of a year and i'm i like got into vanderbilt i'm thinking well you know i've got this job i was i was doing executive uh uh, recruiting for a firm in town. It was a great job. Um, my mentor was the founder and, and hired me and basically said, I know you're passionate about music. Like, as long as you do a good job here, like, if you've got a show, leave the office at two and go set up and do your thing. Oh, that's and, cool. Like, I want to support you in that. And that was just a really good environment to breathe life into this passion project. Every time I have tried to supplement Cause of Scene with something else, it has not really been fulfilling. So let me just give this a shot. And so... When I went full time with Cause of Scene, and I never made an income off Cause of Scene. Like I never was able to support myself. I lived off my roommate's rent for five and a half years, um, and just packed my house full of people um, just to like just to pay the bills and have enough to to eat and live off of. Um, and that was an incredible blessing. Um, looking back on it, and I'm doing these shows, but 2013 in like 10 months, I did 61 shows on my own. And then people were like, "Hey, I'd love to, I'd love to host a show. Could we do? Could you do one in our backyard?" And and then it became, uh, I guess it would have been 2013, 2014. I honestly, I, this is where it sort of gets fuzzy. Um, it had to start shifting to secret shows where I didn't announce the locations, because in four nights, um, Tuesday through Friday, I did. Uh, it was Joshua James with Jude in the Line opening at New Solo. Uh, their old location in uh, Germantown. Night after that was Lone Bellow with Sirius Bright um, at a random office in Marathon Village. Night after that was Noah Gunderson, Armin J, and Aaron Ray at my house in Brentwood. Still one of the best shows I've mm. ever experienced in my life. There's video footage on YouTube, and it's just like such a beautiful, powerful night. Um, one of the hottest rooms I've ever been in along with uh, Harry's Coffee House back in the day with Civil Wars, we crammed 140 people into my house, like every room. I'm sure there were people just sitting in my bed listening to it. They're like, ah, shoot, I can't can't get anywhere near it, so at least least be comfy, sit here with the dogs and listen to Noah 
sing sad songs from down the hallway. Um, and, and the night after that was, uh, Katie Herzig and Amy Stroop at Mercy. Hmm. And so unbeknownst to me, like I'd, that felt like momentum was like starting to pick up because those, those were yeah. very amazing burgeoning artists that their popularity was surging at that moment. And I think my Instagram went from like 1800 to like 3000. It was just this crazy um, affirmation of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, and we had a lot of footage that week. My, my friends, um, Stephen and Logan filmed uh, three of the three secret shows, and so we had this amazing footage. And so now we had content, and and that took off. And the Instagram was getting bigger, and had people actually taking professional photos that I could post. And so it wasn't just me with my iPhone four or whatever it was at the time, like this grainy, terrible image that I probably edited on Instagram in the Nashville filter, and it just <laughs> looked so bad how cause a scene as a brand ever survived my um initial um attempts to uh to do something on the socials is beyond me but um yeah so it just sort of started to pick up um and it was a freight train that i was just sort of clinging on to for really for the entirety of five and a half years of doing it from february um 2012 to Gosh, really to May of last year, 2017. At this point, you're hosting shows regularly. This is your living, but it's not really much of a living. And then you took took it on the road. So up to this point, it had been all Nashville. Yeah. And my, like, basically what Airbnb is building now with their concert experiences globally is what I wanted to build. Mm. So this was the first attempt to do that. And 2016 was kind of uh, this moment of, go big or go home, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a hilarious pun since a lot of the shows were in people's homes. Um, unintentional there. <laughs> go and, big or go home show. Yeah. Hey, I like that. Uh, that year did a 40 artist compilation album, did a full rebrand, launched a merch line, and then decided I'm going to do a 35 city tour all over the country, all in uh, non-traditional locations, pop-up shows. The only real real deal music venue we did was uh, Rockwood Music Hall in New York. And my gosh, it was the hardest thing I'll ever do in my life. I mean, I intend to have kids one day, and I think this is harder than having kids. Like, it was a fool's errand, but I'm also, like, it had to happen. But you had been bringing all kinds of different artists through yeah. Nashville with your network of friends and, oh, yeah. and, and fans in Nashville. So all of a sudden, you're taking one or two artists Everywhere. to other cities. Yeah. So it's a completely different business. Yeah, and um, it was Joshua James and Timmy the Teeth. I love those guys to death, both based in Salt Lake City. And and it was, I mean, it was a six-month process of planning this, mapping it out, figuring out ticketing, figuring out locations, figuring out hospitality, travel, content, marketing, press. It was coast-to-coast. Coast. It was a Cosacene coast-to-coast tour. It went all the way up into the northeast, went down to the southeast, I mean, Pacific Northwest, all up and down the West Coast, just, it was crazy. Um, it was the biggest thing I've ever attempted. And on some extent, it worked because we, we played the shows. The um, mm-hmm. vast majority of them went well. The majority of them had good, good attendance. Some probably had like eight or nine people. Some had, you know, 200. Um, I was on the road for probably two or three weeks in the Southeast. Had my roommate t- uh, tour managing, had 
another guy that was kind of a jack of all trades, um, helping with a lot of different things, merch and load in. And then an, another friend, um, who was our videographer. And so we were all crammed in my Honda pilot, just going from city to city, just crashing wherever we could. And every show was booked through friends or friends of friends of like, mm -hmm. I posted on Facebook, here's what we're doing. And does anyone know anyone in Austin or Spokane or Missoula or wherever? That's and, how I do my solo and it, shows. And it yeah. works. And it's like, and that can work for a lot of artists. You've done it. Derek Webb does it really well. Like David Bazon's done it forever. Um, and many others have, have executed those tours well. Um, but logistically pulling that off, whew, it was yeah, a lot. It's a nightmare. And so after the first legs, we did kind of Eastern side of the U S in July, Western side of the U S in August, 2016. Um, after that first leg, I think I had lost like five or six grand and mm. I was intending on this being like, this is gonna be a moneymaker. You know, it's kind of like doing a benefit concert and eh, doesn't necessarily work. <laughs> um, and touring is expensive, expensive business. So lost money. That was not how I saw it going. Um, and I became so kind of resentful and jaded and burned out. Um, I mean, I was going on three years of burnout, just mm. um, burning the candle at both ends, getting very um, in private moments or with people that are very close to me, like getting angry and just shutting down and mm. depressed. And um, and it really, really did number on my health to the point where prior to the tour, June 2016, um, I ended up in the ER at Centennial Medical Center and was in bed for six days and my body shut down. Um, a few days prior to that, I remember like exhaustion, is that what exhaustion and stress and burnout mm -hmm. just wrecked me. And I remember, um, I remember being at weld at my coworking office and being on the phone with a mentor of mine and just being very angry. Um, and just feeling like my world was caving in. I, I felt like I described it for a long time as I felt like I was out in the ocean in the middle of the storm getting tossed to and from, and I'm like dog piling, trying to keep my head above water, and I've got a straw sticking up by the water, and I'm breathing through that. Mm. And it just felt like my, my lungs and my breathing were restricted. It felt like my head was always hurting. It felt like everyone was depending on me. I couldn't let anybody down. I had to perform. Mm. Everyone constantly, you're killing it, you're killing it, you're crushing it. And I just want to be like, it's killing me. Like, it feels like this is actually killing me. And mm. just having sort of a mental and physical breakdown. Um, if anyone's seen This Is Us, like season one, Randall, just having a, um, a panic attack and a mental breakdown, that's what I was facing every day for um, probably a couple of weeks. Mm. And so finally, out of, like, God's mercy, <laughs> um, he put me in the hospital and, and, you know, ironically enough, the doctor was like, um, you're perfectly healthy. All your vitals are really good. You know, they gave me IV fluid, checked my blood, everything mm -hmm. was fine. Um, I, I went to the beach in August that year and I just, it was taking stock of my life and, um, just trying to get away. And, and honestly, like, a jonah sort of like i don't want to go to nineveh i don't want to go on the west coast tour mm -hmm. i'm i'm fleeing to tarshish down in you know rosemary beach um <laughs> of just I, I was just terrified of i did not want to do it one more day and so i started really evaluating my parents really encouraged me of to look elsewhere and they had encouraged me in real estate they encouraged me in other things but 
um, I knew that it was going to be a massive challenge for me to go work for anyone else ever again. Um, I had tasted freedom. Mm -hmm. I had tasted being an entrepreneur. I had tasted being my own boss, having my own schedule, having my routines. Um, and it was so freeing. And yeah. I was like, I can do this. Like, if Cosine taught me anything, well, it taught me a lot of things, it was that I can do this. And so I met with a lot of people. And um, very, very long story short, I ended up pursuing real estate. Um, so at the tour ended, did you keep doing shows right after that? Or was it just like no. you got through the tour and... Yeah, so... Okay. The last show of that tour, I think, was like third week or so of August 2016. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it was, there needs to be an extended hiatus. Yeah. I've never done this. Um, You've done where, how many shows like, now? I had done about 250 shows at that point. Um, I was doing about 50 shows a year without a team. I mean, we had volunteers. We had, you know, sound guy, Steven, my assistant, Emily, like people helping on different things kind of here and there. But it was but all like, very, it was, you were, I was just throwing, yeah. throwing it on my back and trying to just bulldog it through and just pick myself back up every day and just keep going and uh all thinking well eventually there's gonna be a tipping point and and it just didn't really come um and either that was me being stubborn or opportunities falling through or just the lord's will like it just it was not breaking through the way i needed it to in order for it to be a business and it for it to be provide yeah. a living for me and um and that's and so, the season where you and I connected yeah, really a lot. So, was right yeah, then. and we were thinking about, you know, we were going to be business partners and, like, go get investor dollars and all that. And I can think, we, Can we turn this into some other kind of business? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, is it A&R? Is it developing artists? Is it, you know, whatever. You know, we ping-ponged a lot of ideas. And, um, you but know, then, had, real estate. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I met with a friend, um, a commercial real estate investor in town, and was married to one of my best friends from college. And... We were sitting, sitting down, and I was really trying to evaluate residential versus commercial. What made you want to do real estate at all? Uh, I th I, my parents spoke a lot into it of, like, you would be great at this. Um, you know, you're personable. You know Nashville. You've got this huge network. And the driving force for any decision for my next career move was it has to be able to utilize my network. Mm. And so I'm looking at, like, account executive positions. Because you know everyone project. in Nashville. <laughs> Thanks. Um, which is so funny, like looking back, like that is proof that the Lord has a sense of humor that I had hardly any friends at all growing up in this town. And now it's like, I have this, this community I just don't even know what to do with. Um, mm. I, I've just been, I've been flooded with blessings in the form of people that have been, been and continue to be and will be instrumental forces in my life. And I, I am grateful for every one of them. Um, and I'm grateful because, because I didn't have friends, every single friend I have, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I treasure you. Hmm. And like, I want you to know how much you are treasured beyond me saying that about you. Like you matter, your story matters. You have purpose, um, beyond what you do nine to five or Sunday to Saturday. It, you know, your job is just a very small component, um, of who you are. Well, that makes becoming... me think about, um, I turned 39 in February. Yeah. My mom sent me a birthday card. My mother-in-law sent me a birthday card. My daughters made me a birthday card, and I got a birthday card from Larry. <laughs> that was that was what came on my birthday. So I mean, yeah. You're you, this doesn't happen by accident. Like you were very intentionally cultivating 
Yeah, it's all part of my very subtle scheme to take over the world um, or, <laughs> or run for mayor, um, which has been a joke. <laughs> Literally has been a joke since the very first cause of scene show is Seren, uh, John Acuff, who I adore as a human, as an author, and as a comedian. Um, he came to that show with his wife, um, Jenny, and he said, you must be the mayor around here. I was like, beg your pardon? Like, what do you mean the mayor? He's like, every friend group has a mayor that, hmm. like, brings everybody together, that rallies people to a cause. Like, it appears you're the mayor around here. And so, it's amazing. And that's been a word spoken over me. I, 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 do, I say it tongue in cheek. I, I don't particularly love politics or gravitate towards or have aspirations, but um, I know I have at least like three votes. Um, so TBD. But <laughs> jumping back, like I had met, I had met with my friend Micah, and kind of talked through different things. And he said, if you want to make money sooner, do not go into commercial. It's just, I mean, the deals take forever. You know, mm-hmm. it could be two years before something comes together, whatever. Residential, like, I mean, you know people that are going to want to buy a house or sell a house. Like, yeah. someone's going to roll the dice. And, and you needed and money quick. You. And the, I need money quick. There was nothing left. I literally, New Year's Eve, going from 2016 to 2017, I made the foolish mistake of checking my bank account. Oh. I had $64 in my bank account. And I'm like, well, uh, I guess I'm going to take it easy at night. Um, and, <laughs> and so um, I met with a lot of different realtors and several brokers, and I was just like, gosh, I mean, I, I've been the guy. Like, like no one's doing what I'm doing. Like, it was so fulfilling. Like, it was so just, it would just pump me up in, like, a mm-hmm. way that, you know, it's like a leaky tire. It pumps me up, and then immediately the tire starts leaking. I'm like, oh, you're mm. the you're the cause of scene guy, right? Oh, man, dude, you're doing so awesome. Like, it's awesome what you're doing. Thank you for... And it'd be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm somebody. Um, people notice me, and I'm in the city where no one noticed me, um, mm. where I was overlooked and picked on or judged or not included, whatever it was. And it was just like, I was holding on to that. I was bitter of like, I will show every one of those people. And all that affirmation and validation felt so good for like 10 minutes. And then it was, oh, man, I need more of that. I need more of that. I need more of that. Um, and people were very willing to provide it. Um, and so I'm sitting there thinking, a realtor? There's 9,000 of these in this city. I've never been one of 9,000. I went to a small school. I tried to do things where I was part of a small team. I built this brand basically as a solopreneur and then had volunteers around me and interns. And it was just this weird double standard of all of my friends that were realtors. I was like, man, that's so cool. Like that is so perfect for Graham or Jenny Lee or um, Mark or whoever else of like, that makes so much sense. Like, gosh, they're crushing it. Like that'd be cool to like, you know, be on their level. But for me, like, no, 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 no. that that's limiting. Hmm. Or people are gonna think, oh well, you're just you're gonna be salesy now. Or, um, and really, the the biggest thing was, if I was to leave Cause of Scene alone, the next thing had to be epic, to where everyone was like, oh well, of course that's why you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. You're running Spotify, you know, or <laughs> you're you you know got this huge label job, or you're yeah. you know, man, Airbnb you drive a race to, car now, or you're the company got sold and you had this amazing exit or just all of it was like this mm-hmm. stupid level of selfish pride of just like, it has to be bigger to where people 
will think well of me. And people will see the sense of walking away from the thing that gave me everything I ever wanted, or it felt like it. Um, and, but in that conversation with Micah, we're sitting there at ML Rose, and I had this sense of, yeah, I'm going to work with Jonathan Harrison Scott Properties. I have no idea why. Hmm. But I just had this piece of, yeah, I'm going to meet with him, and that's where I'm going to work. And I, I, I think we got coffee the very next day or two days after that. And I just thought it was kind of this informational, like, hey, tell me about real estate. Tell me about the company. And we walk out of um, Starbucks, and he says, man, I'd love to have you here. Um, I think you do great. You're our type of person. You've got a job here if you want it. And I'm like, wow. and this is 100% commission, right? And it's like, okay, that's terrifying. And that's that's the job. That's the industry. We're all independent contractors, and that is what it is. Um, and I've been fine. I've been totally fine since uh, although there's been some definite peaks and valleys and it's been a roller coaster a year and a half and now it's really really turned a corner um and i wrestled with that for a little while and then decided you know what i'm gonna go all in i'm gonna give this a shot and, and i was managing a band at the time and i was still doing cause scene to some degree and all of last year it was sort of i'm gonna do real estate to pay the bills um, I'm going to, this is a means to an end. I can do the passion projects. And it was still like, I mean, you and I were talking yeah. with, uh, with Derek and Dan of like, all right, how do we, how do we ramp cause the scene up? And Hey, we know you're doing real estate, but it, it was almost like this. Oh, that's kind of cute. And they weren't saying that, but it just sort of felt like that of like, Oh, Larry, like you're buying and selling houses for folks. But like, we know you're the music guy, like, come on, you know? Hmm. And that's sort of how it felt for a while, whether that's me projecting that or that's other people's actual thoughts. Um, but all of last year, it was just this, this band I'm managing is going to blow up and they may still, I don't manage them anymore, but, and I hope they do hope they have just immense, immense success that, that feels true to them. Um, but real estate was just sort of there. I don't know if I took it that seriously. I, I did great at my job, um, to the, for the most part. And I had an amazing team around me helping me when I wasn't doing great. But um, I just wrestled with it, and it has shifted gears entirely. This year, I, I hated last year. Last year sucked. Mm. The la- last 2016, 2017, like, I was so grateful for them, <laughs> but, like, I won't go through those again uh, if you give me the option. And this year has been the first year where I think I've actually felt um, like I've known what it means to live an abundant life. Um, where I have felt, I have understood what steadfastness looks like. Um, where I have like, I, I mean, I said this to a friend recently of, I felt like the necessary shift for me from cause of scene to real estate was I hit this place in my life where I did not feel like I was growing at all. And if I'm stagnant, then I'm regressing. It's just the reality. You're not swimming. You're swimming upstream all life. If you decide, I'm just not going to swim today. The current's taking you downstream. Yeah. And I didn't really like who I was. And this year, like, and really in the last few months, even um, the Lord has just done this work in me that I can't even take responsibility for, other than just responding to how He is leading and and speaking life into me and reminding me of His promises and reminding me of who I am in Him and. 
that he's right here and he hasn't left me or forsaken me. He isn't distant. He he is Emmanuel. He is with me at all times. Um, and I'm loved like unfailingly. And that is ultimately like what you and I and everyone else in the world is after of like a love that will not fail us and will not let us down. Um, and we try to find that through startups and we try to find that through colleagues and spouses and hookups and social media and kids and sports and affiliating with a winning sports team, whatever it is. And it's like, it will not work. Um, ultimately it'll, it'll pump up that tire for 10 minutes and then it's gone Mm. and we'll fool ourselves into believing it'll, it'll pump those tires for 10 years. Um, and we're, we're driving the car with a flat and we didn't even know it. Yeah. That's an amazing image. Thanks. Um, it just kind of came to me. Um, but (laughs) It has been this, um, I love, love what I get to do. Um, and that has been a, a huge shift for me this year. Of I love my job. And my mm. job doesn't feel like it's changed at all. I still, I mean, I work crazy amount of hours per week, mm-hmm. but I don't work ever. Like my time is spent sitting across coffee tables and dinner tables and walking through homes with my friends and acquaintances and people that are becoming friends and people I get to serve, like, I mean, going to a friend's birthday party is work. It's networking, and that's a huge component of my job. But I'm like, I get to celebrate my friends when I'm, quote, unquote, on the clock. This isn't a job. This is, like, the greatest gift I've been given. And so there's just been this huge shift of understanding and practicing and speaking gratitude Mm. that I um, I think that leads to fulfillment. I think that leads to hopefulness. I think that leads to growing faith. Um, and understanding what hope actually looks like. And um, there's been a very rewarding, fulfilling, healthy season where it's like I don't feel like my life is dictated by my situation and circumstances. And if I'm receiving good news or bad news, if my client is the easiest in the world to work with or is a bitter pill to hmm. swallow at times or if we win a multiple offer situation where we lose one, with 10 other offers on the table or whatever it is. It's like, you know, this, this is an opportunity to trust. This is an opportunity to grow and learn to speak life in other people. Um, and so I, I really enjoy what I get to do because I'm serving the city I love and I'm making, I'm making Nashville as home a reality for people. Mm. Um, and it's like I, you know, I've been working on this marketing piece that features all the people I've closed with the last, this last year and a half, and seventeen closings. And I look at those pictures of these people, some of which are my best friends in the world, were before real estate, and then people that are complete strangers before we sat down and started talking about finding a home. I'm like, every one of these, they're family now. Um, I, I, you know, I've got clients that are having their first child uh, in September and I've got clients that are becoming grandparents or clients that are traveling the world together as a family and Mm. um, so many that are finding their first home where they're going to invite their family over to, where they're going to invite their friends and build community and bring their kids home for the first time from the hospital and it's like that is, that's the good stuff. Um, There are people in this world that need to be every well, there, every person in this world needs to feel seen, known, and loved. Period. Um, and I just happen to get to do that through real estate. Hmm. 
um, yeah. And so and that's really, really cool. And it's just like, it's just opened up so many opportunities of like, I feel like I can breathe. Like there is no, like I'm underwater breathing through this tiny little straw. Um, which I guess straws are out of popularity now that Starbucks has gotten rid of all of them, but <laughs> hey, save the planet, save the whales and clean up the oceans. I'm all for it. Um, go green kids. And it, it's, I, I can take a, I can take a full inhale and exhale freely and just kind of celebrate God's goodness and just the disappointments that have happened in my life recently or at any point of just being able to reframe them of, um, being grateful for not being included as a kid because the people that weren't including me were the people that I probably, if I was best friends with them, I probably would have gone down a very different path in life. Mm. Being, being grateful for the things that my parents have done right because it has instilled in me wanting to mimic them and copy them and, and carry that through in my life now, in my community, in my future family's life. And being grateful for the things that they didn't do, right? Because one, it shows that they're not perfect. Like, newsflash, I'm not either. And mm. that, if anything, that has been a catalyst for me deciding I want to do things differently in my life now and in the future. And not to say it's better or worse than anything that they did or said or whatever. They, they've been incredible to me. And my community has been incredible to me. But just the opportunity of, like, I want to be constantly learning to constantly be pouring back in other people. Like the the American dream is self-fulfillment and being able to take care of yourself and establish independence and being self-sufficient. And it's like, if you're actually living from a kingdom mindset and living the gospel out, it is total and complete dependence. It is not self-sufficiency. It is relying on the all-sufficient creator um, who knows all, sees all, knows us better than we know ourselves. And I, I don't know. I, don't, I guess it's just been... Real estate has been a big part of my healing, um, of me being an adult, of me feeling confident as a man. Every day I need to die to self and live for Christ. Every day I need to die to self and put other people ahead of me. And there's an amazing I Am Second video with a pastor named Pete Briscoe, and he's talking about his dreams as a kid, what he wanted to do for a career as a policeman, a fireman, you know, construction worker, whatever, the other members of the YMCA troop. Um, they're... Uh, professional Indian, I guess. Um, and then like his early teenage years, he says his, his answer changed. And if you asked him what Pete, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, I want to be the best. Mm. And that is my story. And you know, they would say, and people would say to me, you know, what do you want to be the best at? It doesn't matter. I want to be just the best. I just want to be, I want to be seen as the best at something. So everyone will put me up on the platform. Everyone will aspire to you know, everyone will affirm me and my existence will actually matter. And it's such crap. Stop trying to prove yourself worthy. Um, Stop caring so much about what everyone else thinks about you and stop caring. And, you know, Tim Keller talks about freedom, self-forgetfulness. Like, don't even care what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter. Stop thinking about yourself. Like, live out of humility. And like, I can say that till I'm blue in the face practicing that is so dang hard that's awesome yeah. man thank you so much for your time thank you really, thanks for the really opportunity to, to hear. yeah thanks for the opportunity to share um, my heart my story and um, just your friendship throughout the years and encouraging me along the way and i'm excited to see and there's i think a lot of the stuff you will never even see or hear of how people 
receive a certain episode and hear someone's story and it registers and it it changes their life in a way um, and kind of helps them to pivot in their own life, not just professionally, but that they decide to go down a different path that leads to life and leads to um, meaning and energy and um, joyfulness. And so I think I think this is such a wonderful thing that people need um, because yeah. you've got a story, I've got a story, everyone's got a story that needs to be shared, needs to be known, needs to be spoken into, and um, this is a really cool way of doing it. Ma'am, that means a lot. Thank you. So Appreciate um, it. Yeah, so if there's a mic to drop, I, I think that this looks expensive, so I won't mess with that. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And until next time. That's great, man. <laughs> That's great. Wasn't that awesome? Uh, what a fantastic guy. If you, uh, you want to buy a house here in Nashville, or you just want to reach out to somebody who's clearly awesome. Larry gave me full permission to send out all of his info. So you can uh, reach him at Larry at scoutnashville.com. That's scout, S-C-O-U-T. Or his number is 615-306-5128. If you want to buy a house, go meet for coffee, give him a call. Um, that's Larry. What a great dude. So I might have to skip the next couple weeks uh, just because it's a one-man shop and I, I can only do so much. Um, but we'll be back soon. Uh, the next four or five interviews set up are going to be so fantastic, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so thanks for your patience. Thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. I hope you're enjoying listening as much as I am enjoying making it for you. Uh, we'll see you maybe next week, but in the next couple for sure. Uh, until then, andrewosinga.com, everybodypivots.com. So that's it for today. Now go do something awesome.